In this episode, Christy Schur shares about her health and wellness journey. She covers her experiences with anxiety, working in wellness companies, and serving as the VP of Health and Wellness at Fuqua. We want to thank Christy again for being vulnerable and sharing her mental health story. A note on content. This episode contains descriptions of mental health challenges. For Fuqua students looking for mental health resources, look up MBAA Health and Wellness on Fuqua Connect. For on-campus services, contact Counseling and Psychological Services, or CAPS, through Duke's website. Welcome to The Fuqua Show, where we hear about the stories, experiences, and insights of Team Fuqua. I'm your host, Thomas Cheng, and today's guest is Christy Schurer. Welcome to the show, Christy. It's great to have you here. Happy to be here. So a brief intro for everyone. Christy Schurer is a second-year MBA student at Fuqua who serves as the VP of Health and Wellness. She worked as a retail merchandise planner, but realized her passion lies in connecting people to people. Solving for this loneliness brought her to business school, but she's passionate about many dimensions of health and wellness. Anything else you'd like to add to your intro? No, I think that really covers it. Other than I am from New Jersey, proud Jersey girl. Proud Jersey girl. Well, I'd like to start by talking about an email that you sent out a few weeks ago for World Mental Health Day. In that email, you shared about some of the challenges that you've gone through when it comes to your own mental health. I was really surprised at what you had shared and think that it was a story that a lot of people could benefit from. In the email, you wrote about starting to experience separation and generalized anxiety from the age of eight. And for those of us who haven't lived through this, would you mind sharing a bit more of what it feels like and what you experienced? Yeah, definitely. I would start off by saying I was pretty surprised by the reception of the email. I got a lot of responses saying how strong I was for sharing, but to me, it doesn't feel overly vulnerable and it doesn't feel crazy to share those stories because I think maybe it's because I was so young, but it just feels like a a fact. But I can go back to when I was eight and it manifested in mostly stomach aches and headaches. So I started to not want to go to school, blaming it on my head hurt, my stomach hurt. It got so bad that we went to a neurologist, my mom and I, and they had put me on a prescription for for migraines and it was it was a really strong medication. I think it was meant for adults and it basically stripped my personality. And so my mom didn't want to keep me on that, so I went off. They had no idea what it was that could have been causing these concurrent headaches and stomach aches. And so it was a lot of mystery at the time. I obviously had no idea something like anxiety even existed. I just knew I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to go to basketball practice at the time. I always wanted to be near my mom. And that was really, that was mostly it. It was a lot of crying, a lot of fights with my mom, actually, because she didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand what was going on. So it came as like frustration from both of our sides, just a lot of confusion. And how else did this impact your life as a young child? There was a lot of things that I missed out on. It started so young, so it was mostly school. Every holiday break after returning back to school, I 
just straight up did not want to go. Like I would refuse to get on the bus. And it was very cyclical in the fact that once we realized what it was, I knew what the triggers would be, but that still didn't make it any easier. So every first day of school was a problem. I stopped going to basketball. We got out of that one. Hmm. Um, Just certain things I knew would be a trigger. Going out to eat was also one. And so there was a lot of things I just avoided. And so I think it, it really limited my ability to enjoy childhood. And how about when you grew up? What about in the teenage years? Did it continue? Did it manifest differently? I think I got better in high school, but where it really skyrocketed was in college, especially those first few weeks of being there. I think I cried for like 21 days straight, Mm -hmm. something like that. And at the time it was easier because I knew it was just anxiety, but it felt like that it was just a part of me that had to exist. And so it was just a matter of pushing through and I never fully thrived in college. It was more about I learned to to get through it and didn't really enjoy much of my experience. I think part of that also was because of alcohol. At the time, I had a stash of medication that I was prescribed for Xanax. So if I did have a panic attack while I was out, I would be able to, to take a Xanax and be comfortable. But I was in the Bronx and you can't mix Xanax with alcohol or you'll black out. So there was like so much anxiety around that as well, because if I was out at a bar drinking, wanted to leave, I couldn't leave because I was a female walking alone in the Bronx. And then if I stayed and took a Xanax, I was I would black out. Mm-hmm. So I tended to withdraw from the social scene, so I didn't really drink at all. And I think that didn't allow me to bond as much as with classmates as possible, which is unfortunate because there's definitely other people like me. I just never, never found a, an alcohol-free community in those early years. But I think it really, anxiety was at the core of that. I missed out on a lot in, in my freshman and sophomore year. Were there other ways that you would try to navigate this anxiety and move through your life during that time? I never really addressed it head on. I mean, I had been seeing a a therapist since I was eight, but I never really thought that it was something that I could move past during those years. And so I would go, I went to the school, which would be CAPS, and I did not have a great experience. I was sobbing and they were like, maybe you should try to go shopping. (laughs) And so I, I sort of wrote them off there. Mostly the way that I dealt with it was to just go home every weekend because I was in New York City and my parents were in New Jersey. So it was a lot of avoidance and never addressing it directly. Looking back, I wonder, especially in those first few years, there's a lot going on. You're in a new place. You're in college. For people who might have experienced something similar or might be going through that even now here at Fuqua, what would you say is the difference between what you experienced versus just the challenges of being in a new place? Yeah, that's a great question. I think knowing what anxiety is and looks like is different than just being like, I have anxiety. I think at that time it was, I have anxiety period. 
not I have anxiety, what are things that I can do to work through it and to have it not be such a major inhibitor for the rest of my life. I think that it, with a lot of emotions, there's the borderline between normal and problematic. If you're nervous, if you're about to present, for example, and your hands are shaking, that's possible that you're nervous. Whereas I think you can say, you know, maybe you can reframe and say, I'm shaking because I'm nervous, but I'm also excited to to tell people what I'm about to say. And I think I just never, I never reframed it. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. But you did mention that at 23 years old, so after you graduated from undergrad, that was the first time you heard someone else verbalize what you were feeling, the first time ever in your life. What was that moment like for you? Yeah, that was that was crazy. I was going to group therapy in New York that I had found, and it was all people around my age, all with cool jobs in New York. We were all living away for the first time. And so it felt, first of all, like more of a social type of group therapy. Like it was, it just felt a little bit different. And to hear someone who seemed to be leading a cool life be able to say, yeah, I have anxiety and sometimes I miss out on social things. And it's been something I've had for years was, it was more, I I couldn't even put words to it. It was more of like a physical sensation where it was almost like a physical weight was lifted off my shoulders. It was so crazy that it took that long to hear anyone else say, I've experienced this before. I think I didn't even say anything, I don't think, in that first group therapy session. Just hearing those people had enough of a profound effect on me. And maybe we're jumping a little bit ahead here, but you mentioned that when you sent out that email a few weeks ago, something similar happened Mm -hmm. in terms of the responses that you received. Yeah, exactly. I think that there was a lot of responses from, from people, and I hope that maybe I could have been a fraction of that person that was for me in group therapy, if that makes sense. Mm. For you then, what prompted you to pursue a career in the wellness space? So it sounds like you've been thinking about this for a while. You had a different career. You're working in retail. But what made you decide to say, yes, this is something I want to work on? I think that there was a pivotal point after college where the anxiety Actually, the pivotal point happened during college where the anxiety actually went away. And it sounds mysterious because it almost was. I experienced a breakup that it was a four-year-long relationship, basically childhood 16 to 20. And when we broke up, it was almost like I was like metamorphosed into a new person and like did not feel this same feeling of anxiety that I had had for 15 years. And so I know that is not realistic for everyone and might be hard to hear because it's not like I did hard work at the time, but it was really a major transformation. And so once I started to to feel that in parallel to starting to understand different aspects of health and wellness, learning about 
I think it started honestly where my sister told me, hey, I think the breakup was because Mercury was in retrograde. And I was like, what's that? And then I went down the rabbit hole of that type of spirituality. And so once I started to learn more about that, that really started to point me into the wellness direction. And then when I was living in New York, I started going to yoga in my apartment building. And it was like one thing after another. So I really got into it on the side outside of work and realized how good it made me feel. And then I think paralleled with the fact that when I was at work, I started to feel this sense of meaninglessness where we would come in and look at what color blue polo shirt is selling. And it was very draining to just speak about colors and men's clothing. And I just felt like the better I was at my job, the more that meant people spent money and that didn't really feel good to me. So it was those two forces combined that I think a light bulb went off and I was like, maybe I should just pursue this professionally. Well, we'll talk about some of the work that you've done and are still doing, but what's exciting you about the wellness space? I think there's a lot of exciting things. I actually was looking at a job two days ago that's about microdosing shrooms. Like I think we've come really far in a short period of time where there's so much innovation and there's so much education and information and learning that's been out there. And so I think we're really only at the cusp of a a lot of wellness information coming and a lot more companies coming out with either companies themselves coming out with wellness solutions or just integrating wellness into the workspace. So there's a lot to be excited about. And for you, you've talked about your mental health journey, but also some of your experience with physical health. What are you most interested in professionally, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual? Actually, I think after doing the work in the VP of health and wellness area, I think I'm mostly interested in all eight dimensions of wellness and how they intersect and understanding that you can't really have one piece of the puzzle not working to have the overall wellness be maximized. Can you share with us what the eight are, if you remember? <laughs> yes. Top of your head? Yeah, uh, let's see if I could do it. So you have mental, physical, social, financial, environmental, occupational, there's two more. Yeah, well, well they'll well, come back to me. No worries. If, if you think of them, we can we can jump in. But wow, so mental, physical, social, intellectual, finan- financial, so, environmental, occupational, intellectual. Yes. And then that. And that still last. missing one. No worries. So that's that's a lot of mm-hmm. different things to be working on, and, and not easy things as well. Talking about financial health, environmental health. How do you even begin to start tackling this massive, massive problem? Yeah, well, if you know it or not, we're all here to work on our occupational wellness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we're all trying to improve that element. And then I think environmental also makes a lot of sense. Where are you living? Does that maximize your wellness? And I think people either feel it immediately or not when they come to Durham. Like if you're coming from New York City, it's either a sigh of relief to be able to drive to school or you're you're anxious to not be able to get to a fancy restaurant on every block. So it's it's really interesting how you may not have thought that financial wellness could contribute to your overall wellness, but it makes so much sense when you start to read into it and think about the different puzzle pieces. So I want to ask you about how your 
trying to work on these different things in a couple different environments. Maybe we start with MindBody, where you've been working this past summer and currently in the fall. What kind of work do you do there? I'm mostly looking into their revenue okay. and understanding what their strategic accounts do for the company. So talking about their Orange Theory, F45, the heavy hitters and how they contribute to MindBody's revenue. And is it through their subscription or is it through payments? What type of revenue? So it's a bit further from the true health and wellness piece, but it's been interesting to see what it looks like inside a company where their values are things like humble and helpful and empathy. So I think that their values are are kind of aligned with Fuqua's actually. So I like I like that piece of it. Well, you mentioned earlier feeling a bit of a lack of purpose, excuse me, with the retail job. And that makes me wonder, do wellness and business goals ever conflict with each other? Yeah, I would think so. I think that a lot of jobs that especially that we're about to enter into really value the effort that you're putting in, which often translates into the number of hours that you're at the office. And so I think if you want the work-life balance, if you want to be able to work on all eight dimensions of wellness on a daily or weekly basis, I don't think that sometimes it's possible for just businesses themselves. And I did remember the eighth dimension. It's spiritual wellness. Spiritual. <laughs> yes. Gotta have the spiritual. Yes. I think right now businesses might not include wellness, but I also think that right now there's a million studies coming out about burnout. And so I think that businesses are going to have to start to pay attention to the wellness of their employees if they want to be productive over the long term. Yeah, I think about that a lot too, not just with the wellness of employees, but companies working in the wellness space. I wonder all the time mm -hmm. with these mental health companies, for example, they want to retain customers over the long term, but does that mean that the person needs to come back because they're not where they, they need to be health and wellness wise? Yeah, I actually interviewed for one other company last year, and it was about brick and mortar mental health locations for children. So they were seeing a rise in children's mental health issues because of COVID. When they had gone back to school, there was a lot more issues that were coming up. And these facilities were places where you could bring your child to have immediate care. And I had asked them, I understand the business model, but what are you doing in terms of prevention? Are you going into schools and giving presentations? Are you empowering the children to go back to school and talk about this with other people, other students? And they just said, it's not in the best interest of our business to do preventative care. And so that was really, really disheartening to me. So yes, to answer your question, <laughs> that it's really, it's really unfortunate. And I think that that will absolutely need to be solved in the near future because you cannot profit off of people's mental health, period. Well, that's a big problem to be solved in the long term. But I want to ask you about what you're doing here in the short term at Fuqua. So as we've mentioned, you're currently the VP of Health and Wellness for the entire student body. What's the big goal here and what are you and your team doing to try to achieve that goal? Yeah, the overarching 
strategy was to connect students to different wellness resources in a consistent and integrative manner. Consistent being not just having one event per term, but having it be something that is woven weekly into people's lives. And then integrative being, can it be included into things you're already doing like recruiting or can it be something that is just integrated into your Sunday routine? And there's been so much programming and so many events, which I really applaud you and the team for doing. But I wonder, can this be solved at the individual level to the point that we just made about the companies? Are there structural changes that can be implemented to improve health and wellness, whether it's here at Fuqua or beyond? I think so. I think when we're talking about Fuqua, specifically looking at fall one, first year, I don't think necessarily that you need to have an econ quiz, a stat quiz, an accounting quiz, and a presentation all within 48 hours. <laughs> I think that could be a, a step in terms of of the structure. And I think also I don't understand really why consulting recruiting has to be so palpably tense. I think at the individual level, I think there's a lot that people can do. And I think that starts with understanding yourself. And what I mean, personally, I'll say, I am someone that has to eat every hour or two. And if I am hungry, I get really angry. And so I kid you not, I probably have not been hungry in like two years, because I always have a bag of snacks, because I just understood that one, I learned that Hunger is a stress response, so every time your body is hungry, it's almost triggering fight or flight. And so I was like, why would I ever do that to myself? And so I think it's like things like that. I also heard a quote a while ago about don't betray yourself, and that sort of stuck with me. So if you're someone that needs eight hours of sleep, but you're consistently getting five, that's a betrayal to yourself. And so those are kind of Things that I think about, Fuqua will never give me a snack every hour. How would they know that I need to eat every hour? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I just think that there's absolutely things that are in people's control. So I think it's I think it's a two two prong solution. I think that's really helpful to hear. And now that we have all eight of the <laughs> dimensions of wellness, we said mental, physical, social, financial, environmental occupational, intellectual, and spiritual. How else can people listening, whether they're here or somewhere else, improve their wellness in some of these spaces? Yeah, I think the first thing would be to evaluate where you feel your strengths are, what is a work in progress, and what can really be improved on. Obviously, financial is another one that we're all mm -hmm. struggling with. And, and so I think Financial and occupational we're working on, so those are work in progress for everyone. But it also doesn't have to be, when we're talking about physical wellness, it doesn't mean that you have to work out for an hour every day. It could just be, what's a habit that I can build that will improve my physical health from now until the end of 2022? I think it's mostly about baby steps for all these things. You're not going to improve your overall wellness overnight, but... There's another, I think this is either from Oprah's podcast or Danielle Laporte 
calls it soul vitamins. So what's a soul vitamin that you can give yourself in one of these areas of wellness tomorrow? And then pick a different wellness area and what soul vitamin can you give the next day? May I ask what's your soul vitamin for tomorrow? Mm, Good question. Tomorrow I teach yoga. So for me, that's actually intellectual wellness because it allows me to be creative in my in the flow I create and it also keeps my brain working to to try to communicate the flow fluently. Well everyone make sure to take Christy's yoga class. <laughs> What's next for you in general? What impact are you hoping to create whether in this health and wellness space or elsewhere? In this health and wellness space, I hope that even if people haven't taken part in the health and wellness programming, I hope that they walk away knowing that it is something important. It's something that every place that they work in should really address. And while there may not be programming every day or week, wherever you go, just making sure that it's something that you include. And then I think next, I, I did a mentored study that was really exciting this past term. It was working for Balanced. It's a Fuqua grad as well, Kelly Frolic, And she does exercise videos for older adults. And so I worked on ways that you can create communities among older adults. And so that was really exciting to have one, a murky project where it wasn't like retail, where it's like what percent and what were the sales dollars. It was a very nebulous concept. And so that was really exciting to me. And I also really liked being able to look at loneliness and dig deeper in a professional way in that area. And so what's next would hopefully be another project of that nature. I just got off a call with another mentored study where it could be about holistic health. And that's super exciting that people are, one, getting VC money for that type of work and two, even even doing that type of work. So what's next is more health and wellness in a professional way. Well, thank you for everything that you do here. Thank you again for sharing your story with us. It might not always be easy to share about those vulnerable and challenging experiences but I hope that they are helpful to people listening. Yes, I hope so. Thanks for having me. Thank you again, Christy.